are now listening to Cast of the Living Dead. So close your windows, lock your doors, and don't turn out the lights. The fun is just about to begin. Welcome to Cast of the Living Dead. As always, I am Curtis Barrett, and joining me are... Zach Davis. Andrew Easton. And this is episode nine. In this episode, we're going to be talking about John Carpenter's 1982 cult classic, The Thing. Very, very pumped to talk about this movie. <clears throat> but, before we get started, as always, I just want to encourage everyone to... Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cast of the Living Dead. Check out our T Public store. Buy a shirt. You can wear it. It looks sick. <laughs> it look pretty dope. <laughs> yeah. I know Andrew's got the uh, the dare looking one. Yeah, I forgot to wear it today. Oh, actually. it's all right. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> you know, it's fuck. As I wore it the other day, and I was like, I need to wash this before tomorrow. <laughs> I forgot. It's got like fucking barbecue stains all over. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> okay specifically barbecue <laughs> i don't know i was like that's the messiest <laughs> sticky <laughs> sticky sticky oh, but uh yeah so stickiness aside uh, <laughs> you got yeah go buy a shirt um we would really appreciate it rep the brand you know show it off show off your favorite podcast tell your friends <laughs> yeah, tell everybody you know <laughs> tell your dog <laughs> <laughs> make sure your dog has an account yeah <laughs> Um, but yeah, just just uh, follow us on our socials at Cast of the Living Dead, Facebook, Instagram to keep up with the show, and um, check out the T Public store and check out Deranged Ankles. That uh, again, that's Andrew's um, YouTube channel that he's doing. He's playing a lot of Dead by Daylight and just some other stuff, mostly just horror stuff. Yeah, um, predominantly Dead by Daylight though. Yeah, um, you still have what the uh, are you still doing the Thirty Days of Night? Yep video series yeah so yeah just uh check that out you can follow him on or you can subscribe to him on youtube you can follow him on uh twitter tiktok tiktok uh instagram instagram all the all the socials yeah but yeah let's uh let's get into let's get into the thing so this film again is directed by john carpenter this is the first john carpenter movie we're talking about on the show so <laughs> That alone is like a yeah. pretty big yeah. milestone because I would dare say like John Carpenter is one of the like forefathers. Oh, oh for yeah. sure, it's yeah. like the the Mount Rushmore of He's definitely horror. For me, it's like John Carpenter, Wes Craven. I got to go Romero, maybe Toby Hooper. Yeah, I don't know, but that's just maybe in like a very niche <laughs> area. Yeah. That's still like the big ones, though. Yeah, yeah. Franchises, so yeah. The uh, screenplay for this one is by Bill Lancaster. Uh, I believe he wrote the screenplay for uh, the Bad News Bears, the seventy, 
two. Oh, that was pretty good. I like that movie. Yeah, I mean it's the original one. Yeah. Um, and I might have it actually written. Seventy, yeah, nineteen seventy six. Bad News Bears. He wrote that. So, a very interesting change of pace, <laughs> you know, as a writer. The film is based on the novella "Who Goes There," that's written by John W. Campbell Jr. Uh, the film is produced by David Foster and Lawrence Terman. The cinematography is by Dean Cundy. Uh, the film is edited by Todd Ramsey. Uh, music is by Ennio Morricone, and this is just a side thing I found out about this that I thought was interesting. So, the score for this movie was not, um, it, well, it was, it was nominated for a Razzie, and Razzies are like the... Yeah, that's the bad, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, it's like the worst, like, Yeah, awards. worst movies. And it was not, it was nominated for a Razzie, it didn't win... But what's interesting about this is um, Morricone used some of the unused music for The Thing in Quentin Tarantino's The Hateful Eight, and he won an Oscar for wow. Best Score. That's crazy. So I just think that's fucking wild. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's cool that he was able to do that for yeah. like a Western. That's mm-hmm. cool, man. Mm-hmm. And then the production company on this one is the Turman Foster Company. The film is distributed by Universal Pictures, and it was re- bleh, excuse me. It was released on June twenty fifth, nineteen eighty two, with a runtime of one hundred and nine minutes, so an hour and forty nine minutes. The budget was originally. Um, oh no, I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead. Uh, the budget on it is fifth was fifteen million, and the box office draw was only nineteen point six million. Damn, dude. So this movie cut, was cut close. Uh, it was a flop. Like, yeah. It barely beat budget. <laughs> and what I was about to say is the budget was originally only $10 million and uh, $200,000 was originally what was intended for creature effects. But the total effects cost after ended up being $1.5 million. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. Which is one of the coolest things about this movie is <laughs> yeah. the, the practical yeah. effects. But yeah, I mean, that is such a huge fucking jump. Like two hundred thousand is all you have to work with, and then you, yeah. and then you push that out. <laughs> it's yeah. one point five million. I would be pissed if I was a studio, but like, yeah, they're probably like, what the fuck? You got that <laughs> Universal money though. Yeah, yeah. They're like okay, <laughs> but it's a. I didn't. I didn't realize that this movie was like a a commercial failure. Like, I didn't I either. Didn't, I didn't yeah. know that because I've always viewed it as like, like a classic. One of the greatest. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's. Uh, you know, last episode we talked about It Follows and how it's kind of like one of those perfect horror movies. And to me, this is one of those perfect horror yeah, movies. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, I don't, I mean, I don't think it, the only thing you can say is wrong with it is that it's just dated. Yeah. And it, I mean, but, it, even still today though, like, I feel like if I watch this movie, I'd still be like compelled to like pay attention because it's like, there's so much like going on. Like, yeah. Like you don't know who's, who to trust or not, you know? Yeah. yeah, it is definitely like. It feels like a good '80s movie, though. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. not like uh, what I'm trying to say. I'm a little toasted. <laughs> it like captures the vibe of the '80s mm-hmm. into a film, like the time and the era and the hair. <laughs> like, it's, everything is just one big cluster of just '80s vibes. Yeah, yeah. and it, it's similar to. Um... You get that same feeling with They Live, which is another John yeah. Carpenter movie, and that's probably just his. 
just part of his aesthetic, you know, yeah, as yeah. a filmmaker. Because even <clears throat> even Halloween, I mean, I know it was made in the late seventies and it's set in that time, but it fits that time yeah, so well. Yeah. Um so yeah, I mean I I feel like Carpenter's just good for capturing the time that he's working in. Yeah. So the uh the cast on this one, uh we have Kurt Russell as RJ McCready, Keith David as Childs, then we have Wilford Brimley as Dr. Blair, Richard Dicehart as Dr. Copper, TK Carter as Knowles, David Clennon as Palmer, Charles oh, excuse me, Charles Hallahan as Vance Norris. Charizard. Charizard. <laughs> Uh, Peter Maloney as George Bennings, Richard Mauser as Clark, Donald Moffat as Gary, Joel Polis as Fuchs, and Tom- <laughs> I, don't know, I know what you're laughing. I, I told Zach before um, we started this that when I was uh, doing notes for this and I wrote down Fuchs's name, I, I could not for the life of me remember how they say it, how they pronounce it. And in my head, I was like, is it fucks? Because <laughs> it, it had been a hot minute since I'd watched the movie, and I was like, is it fucks? It's not fucks. <laughs> like, I would remember if it's fucks. <laughs> but no, it, it's Fuchs. And then we have uh, Thomas G. Waits as Windows, and that is the main uh, main cast that we're going to be dealing with. That's um, a lot of people. It is a lot. You don't really feel like there. I mean, there is, but you don't feel like it in the movie. Yeah, it feels because they do a good job of making them feel like they're isolated. Yeah, well, I do feel like this movie runs by kind of quick. Yeah, and not in a bad way; like it's in a good way, yeah. you know. Um, but it keeps you engaged, and you're kind of concerned about all the characters as it goes on. Um, I do know that when they were like the the novella um, from 1938, who goes there. Um, that novella deals with like 37 characters, I think. Oh, shit. So when they made the screenplay, Lancaster brought it down to 12 because yeah. like 37 would have been impossible yeah. to like keep track of. Yeah, that's way too many. <clears throat> um, and just as a uncredited casting here, I thought was cool. Uh, John Carpenter and Dick Warlock, um, who plays Michael Myers in Halloween 2, play the like a couple of the Norwegians in the like video footage. Oh, that's cool. That the crew finds. That is cool. This is a fun little thing. So I'm going to start doing this every episode. I, I just think it's kind of important. Um, but I'm just going to give a quick synopsis. The, you know, and of course we get into spoilers here and we go through the entire movie, but just a quick synopsis in case anybody who's listening to this hasn't seen the movie. Um, so, a research team in Antarctica is hunted by a shape-shifting alien that assumes the appearance of its victims. That's that's the story. That's the plot. This has been cast to the living dead. <laughs> <laughs> no, <I'm kidding. laughs> was that? But if you haven't seen it, pause it and go watch it right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, was that like the... Uh, I've never seen the original thing. Like the old one. Was that the plot for that one as well? Um, well, that's... Yeah, so the film is based on the novella, Who Goes There? It's where the original story comes from, which it deals with the same, it's the same concept as research teams being hunted by this alien being that shapeshifts. In 1951, there's the film called The Thing from Another World. Oh, yeah. And now this movie is sort of of a remake 
of that, but not exactly. Because the thing from Another World is like, again, it's based on who goes there, but it has, the monster in it is like played by like a single man. And so it's not as like scary. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like the thing from Another World is like one of John Carpenter's favorite movies of all time. Yeah. And so much so that that movie can be seen in Halloween. Yeah. Um, when the kids are watching like scary movies on TV, um, he puts he puts that in there. So while this while the this thing the thing is um, not completely a remake, um, it's meant to be more of like a faithful adaptation of the original story from 1938. Development for the film began in the mid-1970s um, with it going through numerous directors and writers and just not being able to like have anybody consistently stick to it. John Carpenter was actually originally approached for the film by one of the producers in 1976 but was initially passed on by Universal Pictures because he was still mainly an independent filmmaker at the time. And he essentially just had less experience than they were yeah. looking for. He didn't have enough street cred, yeah. <laughs> exactly, because at that point, Halloween hadn't been made. Because uh, Halloween came out in 78? Yep, 78. 78. So, you know, we're two years before Halloween hits, yeah. and it changes the game, yeah. really, for just the horror genre. So, Universal decided to go with a director that they already had on contract, Toby Hooper. Oh, man, that's sick. I yeah. <clears throat> and if you don't know who Toby Hooper is, he is the director of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original, uh, the sequel, um, Poltergeist. Shoot, what else? I'm drawing a blank. Those are, I mean, those are the big three. Yeah, no, I'm getting him and like Wes Craven's older movies mixed up. Yeah. I'm like, oh, man, oh, too much. Yeah, those. I mean, those are like the big three, but, you know, he's he, he's a, he's a big name. However, even though he was hired for the directing position, producers were like not happy with uh, his concept and his writing partner's concept. So they decided to drop him and find someone else. Um, John Landis, uh, the director of American Werewolf in London from 1981, was actually considered for the role. Or, I'm sorry, for the directing <laughs> position. Which has been a, it's been a minute since I've seen American, an American Werewolf in London, but... Again, that's a totally different yeah. Yeah. vibe. Yeah, it would have yeah. been opposite end of the spectrum vibe. Yeah, but it is interesting because that movie is another one that's like killer for practical effects. Yeah. yeah, you know. So after this, you know, tossing up of directors and writers, uh, the project would be put on hold after you know just various failed pitches that just went nowhere. Um, but it would see light again after the after the success, excuse me, of uh, another Alien film called Alien by Ridley Scott <laughs> uh, from 1979. So that sparked the interest again, and with that, and then Carpenter's 1978 film Halloween, it would put him back into Universal's like spotlight. That's pretty cool. Man. Putting that stuff into perspective, though, that does kind of make sense. Why, like. Because people probably were interested, but they were like, well, this movie's kind of riding off the coattails of other, like, sci-fi horror things, so they were probably like, I don't know. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, I just think it's cool that Carpenter had so many things that just were not that great for them yeah. received at the beginning, and yeah. now they're, like, held as, like, some of the best that ever been made. Yeah. It's so cool. 
Well, I find it interesting because like Halloween, you know, I don't think Halloween ever had a moment where people thought it was bad, but this movie, yeah, like critics hated it. Which is kind of insane because you got to think from his perspective, he's like, I made this really great movie that everyone likes. And then he makes another really great movie in his mind, I'm sure. And then like everyone's like, no. Which (laughs) I'm pretty sure before this he made, um, did he make Escape from New York, Escape from L.A.? Uh, Shit, what's that movie? That's from New York, I'm pretty sure. New York, yeah, yeah. Kurt Russell. I've never actually seen that one, unfortunately. No, that's not the same movie. Is it not? That's Kurt Russell's Escape. He made another one, uh, Assault on Precinct, Precinct 13, 13, I think. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> before that, I know he made Western movies. Yeah. Small Western movies. But yeah, so it, it is interesting to see, like like you said, the put in perspective of like how much time yeah. it took for everything. And I mean, you've got these killer movies that came out before this like Halloween of course is like yeah. the one but I mean yeah. even an American Werewolf in London was the year before <clears throat> yeah you said this came out in 82 right 82 yeah that's like the same year Halloween 2 came out is it yep yeah okay so this must have been I don't know if this was before yeah, or after <laughs> yeah <laughs> and you've got the you've got the fog in there at some point too yeah I can't remember when that happened um I haven't seen that movie in a long time really either. Needed. Jimmy Lee Curtis in that one. Which I like that too about Carpenter is he kind of, he would go back and use similar actors yeah. and stuff. Um, like Keith David, he uses and They Live as well. Yeah. Um, which he's badass. He's just a cool yeah. dude. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so eventually uh, Carpenter did agree to direct the film, but he was uh, very reluctant to do it because he thought it would be difficult to make something better than the thing from another world. Yeah. Because that was just one of the films that he admired yeah. and thought very highly of. It's like if someone asked like one of us to like, make, like remake one of the Evil Deads or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. like, oh, I don't know, Doc. Yeah. Um, but after he was told by one of the producers to read like the original story, the novella, who goes there, um, he was more on board with it um, and opted to have someone else write the screenplay because he had just, this might've been, I, I know I read this somewhere that he was right. He had just finished writing the escape from New York screenplay oh, okay. is what it is. I'm pretty sure. And he was just kind of burnt out and didn't want to write this one. So they, he just wanted them to find someone else. So that's where we get Bill Lancaster who once again wrote uh, the bad news bears from 76 and Lancaster apparently had troubles adapting the story uh, because the original story doesn't have a whole lot of action in it, and it has, like, 37 characters or something. It's a lot to put on somebody. Yeah. So he had some troubles, like, getting it um, together, but especially within the second act of the film. Um, But he and Carpenter actually got together, and I think in a weekend they, like, finished the second act of the movie. Like together, um, that's cool. He has so much can tra- like creative control with. Yeah, him. Lancaster also envisioned a different ending for the film, but um, we'll get back into that at the end after we talk about the actual ending. And as great, you know, as great as the film is today, you know, I mean, it. I said it was a cult classic, and I mean, it is. Yeah. Like, it was 
panned by critics when it first came out. I mean, there was one review where, like, the critic called it instant junk. Oh, damn, <laughs> yeah. dude. Wow. From clowning. Yeah, and it's... Bad. And I, I mean, it's it's crazy to think about that, like, because this again, this is just one of those movies where I'm just like, damn, like it's it's perfect. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And there is some like theory that it did not do well because it came out the same time as E.T. Mm. Uh, that, yeah, <laughs> that's I don't know, man. That's a little different. Yeah. Well, E.T. both being alien movies. E.T. obviously being a more family-oriented, yeah. friendly, yeah. nice alien, whereas the alien in this is a shape-shifting monster that'll kill you. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I guess I get it. And also, not to discredit Carpenter, but that was Spielberg. Yeah. And you go up against Spielberg, especially in prime Spielberg time, like, dude. Yeah. You're kind of shit out of luck, you know? Oh, that does make a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, with the critics panning it and it just being a box office bomb, um, it really hurt Carpenter, like, well, professionally, because I'm pretty sure he was supposed to direct an adaptation of Firestarter, the mm. Stephen King story. Yeah. And he was dropped by Universal because wow. of it. Was he going to make the one? No, he didn't, he didn't direct that one. The, was that the one you're talking about, though? the one with Drew Barrymore? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. He was originally supposed to direct that, but after this failed, they dropped him from that project. That sucks. Yeah. But they regret that machine now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen Firestarter, but I don't think it's... I, it's one of those movies where I've, like, I've heard of, but I've never really seen much about it, so I just yeah. assume it's not that good. I've watched it, like, one time through. It was okay. You guys yeah. ever wonder about that, though? Like... Have we seen movies that we thought were shit that people in the future will be like, this is good? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think about that every day, actually, since Halloween Kills happened. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, yeah, Halloween, it's, Halloween it's, ends. Like, no, like, Halloween, kills. Halloween Kills was great. Let me... Yeah. Let me yeah. I, Curtis Barrett, love Halloween Kills. Halloween ends, however, not yeah, so much. You know, funny <laughs> enough, though, uh, I think I'm... I think I'm right about this, but the thing is in Halloween Ends. It's the movie they're watching at the beginning yeah. of the movie. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yep. yeah. That's what I thought was cool. That was, like, the one part where I was like... Because, like, that, I saw that and I was like, this is cool. Because, like, they're doing a callback again. But then it's... For the rest of the time, I was just and like... the rest of the movie what happens. What yeah. is happening? Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that movie. <laughs> It'll be a minute, but we'll get there. <laughs> yeah. Gotta take several baths first. Yeah. <laughs> But um yeah, so let's let's just get into the film itself now. Uh the film opens up with a UFO flying in space towards Earth and we get this really rad title screen. Um I looked up I, I read a thing about how this was done and I can't remember though, but it's it's like the font was like cut out on something and mm-hmm. then they burned like paper away from it and that's how it makes like the burning effect. That's cool. And like the thing yeah. pops up. Um which Pract- the whole thing's practical, man. The whole movie. I'm pretty sure it's the same. That logo and the way it works is the same way in the the 50s, like original movie, the thing from another world. So they pull that. Yeah, it is because it does it in Halloween. That's what mm-hmm. they show. Um, yeah. So and then we get uh, location. You know, again, we're in Antarctica, the winter of 1982. And then after that title, a helicopter flies over some snowy mountains, and then we realize that it's uh, chasing after the Siberian Husky that's running in the snow. 
and one of the men attempts to shoot it multiple fucking times and misses. Yeah, he can't aim for shit, dude. An atrocious... I mean, I'm sure it's hard shooting out a helicopter. Oh, that's I what know. I was about to say. <laughs> I was about to say, because those things are just... Like, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and a moving object. Yeah. You know? So I'm, I'm not going to shit on him, but, you know... Because it was a rifle, too. It wasn't like... Yeah, it's like a sniper rifle. Well, yeah. I, I have bad aim with sniper rifles in general most of the time, so I'd just be like, Fuck! <laughs> You say that like you're like going shooting all the time. <laughs> I've changed. <laughs> I shoot guns now. Oh, man. So after a moment of this dog running and avoiding these gunshots, um, we get a new location, um, a sign outside that says United States National Science Institute Station 4. That is going to be our setting for this film, where we're going to be. Um, inside the station, we meet, um, all the characters, um, there, I, again, there's, there's 12 different characters, so I might forget some names and have to look back. Like, yeah. It's just, some of them get look like. <laughs> yeah, they get a little jumbled, but I'll do my best. Um, uh, so yeah, there's a lounging around in the rec room area, and then we meet, uh, McCready, our main character. And he's playing this uh, computer chess game, and he's drinking his whiskey, and he makes a move, and he's, like, all confident about it. <laughs> and then he gets a beat. <laughs> I just, I love this line, but right before he says it, he pours the rest of his whiskey in the fucking computer, and it, like, sparks, and he just says, you cheating bitch. <laughs> <laughs> That's literally our first line of dialogue. Well, that's not the first, but because he yeah. says something before that, but that's just kind of like our introduction to, to McCready. Yeah. yeah, he's, he's so got cool, gamer man. rage. Yeah. He is really cool, but he has got gamer rage. Yeah, <laughs> he can't handle the loss. No. So after that, the uh, we go back outside, and the helicopter's still chasing the dog, and it's outside the um, American station. And it's kind of circling, and the men see it and come out. And they realize that it's a Norwegian um, helicopter. So it's coming from another base in Antarctica where they are. Uh, One of the men throws a grenade at the dog, but misses. And then finally the dog runs towards the camp, and the helicopter lands. And... I don't know what happens here, but like the guy throwing grenades pulls another one, and it's like he tries to throw it, but he accidentally throws it behind yeah. him. He like lets go of it on accident. Yeah, and he he like freaks out, tries to cover it up, and just fucking <laughs> blows himself up, blows the helicopter up. Imagine trying to cover up a grenade with snow. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like this dude. Oh yeah. shit! We all awesome. try to do anything when you're about to turn into a hamburger helper. Yeah, yeah. I guess so. And so, you know, the other the other Norwegian with the gun is able to, like, get away and not perish. Uh, but he's yelling at the men, the Americans, in his language, Norwegian, and we've no idea what he's saying. Yeah. But what's really cool is uh, if, well, if you speak Norwegian or if you have, like, Norwegian subtitles, you can have access to that. Everything about what's going on gets spoiled in that moment. Like, the whole... Like, basically, the plot of the movie... It was pretty cool, though. Yeah. It's really cool. (laughs) Yeah. Is, like, told right here, and it's like, we don't know. We're just dumb Americans. (laughs) Yeah. I don't speak that. (laughs) What what he's saying. Yeah. (laughs) 
but yeah, so I just I think that's really neat. Uh, right at the beginning, it can just get spoiled if you know. <laughs> I like to think some American guy that does know Norwegian saw this movie and he was like, "What?" It's <laughs> <laughs> really upset. Yeah. Huh? I'm like, "Come on!" <laughs> I paid money for these tickets. Oh yeah, but after you know he's screaming at them, uh, the dog starts running again. He goes to shoot it, and he clips one of the men, like one of the American men, uh, George, is who he gets, and like hits him in the leg. And you know the men tend after him, and the other guy starts. The Norwegian starts chasing after the dog, and while he's shooting um, inside the rec room, the character Gary. He's kind of, he's he seems kind of like a sheriff type. Oh yeah, kind of guy. He like busts the window out and pulls a pistol and shoots this Norwegian one shot point blank in the head. In the dome. Yeah, yeah kills him. You he's know, got incredible aim. Yeah. When I watch the beginning of this movie, I'm just like, I understand that the Norwegian is like very like in a stressed way and like just trying to shoot the dog, but like you could have just like not. And you could like, have shot him in the could, leg or something. It could have been handled differently. Like, well, I mean, I I feel like it's just like it's kind of like a fight or flight moment. Yeah. It's like yeah. this man's just coming at us with a gun. He, I mean, inadvertently, but he shot one of our guys. So yeah. it's like, just take him down. You know. It's also too the this is like a research station, so it is probably military. That is true. Yeah. Esque, you know, and information. So I mean, it is kind of like. He's not supposed to be there, especially not supposed to be there with a fucking gun. Yeah, shooting. yeah. Um, <laughs> Being like McCready in the movie, though he like always can't call them Norwegians. In my head, I'm like those Swedes. Yeah, he calls <laughs> them Swedes all the time. <laughs> um, so yeah, after the man, the Norwegian man is killed, uh, they help out George and go put out the fire caused by the explosion, and. Uh, the character Clark comes and comforts the dog. And after they set, put the fire out, uh, again, McCready's got this line I love. He just says, first goddamn week of winter. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I just love that this, these pieces of dialogue, how it kind of makes McCready like this badass. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know, just this delivery. It's just Kurt Russell. Yeah. You know? And he's got this sick ass long hair. He's got the mane, dude. Like a mane. He does just look really cool. This nice beard. Apparently, it took him a year to <laughs> grow everything he out. Kind of looks like the dad from Amityville Horror. Yeah, yeah, it's got that vibe. Yeah, he just he just looks cool. He's wearing a bomber jacket. <laughs> he's just he like got the fucking stupidest hat though. Oh yeah. yeah, he's got this very dumb looking cowboy Arby's fucking hat. Yeah, it looks <laughs> like it. Like you're like riding a pony at the fair, and they just <laughs> yeah. have a hat that they let every kid wear. Yeah, that's like the hat he's wearing. You think he was like, I want to wear this because my cowboy days. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> all right, and after after all the mayhem. And back inside the station, George's getting stitches, uh, I believe, by Dr. Copper. And uh, they try to get in contact with someone about the incident, but have no success. Uh, when the character Windows is actually the one in charge of that, but he can't get through to anybody. Um, he also says they've not been able to reach anyone in like two weeks. So yeah. this puts us in a point where they've, they've had no contact with anyone else. Which, I mean, kind of goes more into that, like, 
killing that guy is just because, like, you've had no contact yeah. with anyone, and then this dude just comes around, yeah. bum rushing in. It I'm also gonna... adds to, like, the isolated feeling a lot, too. Yeah. Yeah. What were you saying? I was just going to say that, uh, do you think they ever had contact at all with the Norwegians? Because, like, they act surprised that they're there. Yeah, I don't, I get the feeling that they have no, they had no clue they were yeah. even there. They don't know, yeah. Or even if they do know, it's just kind of like, they're doing their thing, we're doing our thing. Yeah. We just don't... Interact. Yeah. I'm not, not trying to jump ahead. I guess it's really not, because of the whole Clark thing. Mm-hmm. But, like, does it ever specify if, like, does Clark thinks that's one of his dogs, or does they do they just take that dog in? Like, you know what I mean? I think Clark just... Has such empathy for dogs, maybe? He's He's... They have, like, other dogs in the camps, and I get the impression that he watches them. Yeah. And yeah. takes care of them, and I guess he just kind of has, you know, he's just attached to them because he's the guy that watches them. Yeah. But know? he definitely knew that it wasn't his dog. I feel like he knew it wasn't his dog. He was just like, we gotta protect this dog. Yeah, yeah that's what I was thinking. Okay. Because, like, I mean, they let it wander around and stuff, so yeah. I just figured I didn't know what. Yeah. I don't think, because they have them all, later we find out they've got them all like locked up in like yeah. a kennel kind of thing. And I think maybe, I would I would think he would know it's not one of their dogs. It was just yeah, kind of, he just wanted to take care of it. Yeah. Um, okay. So once they kind of get their bearings together, uh, they figure out. Well, I guess the, I guess they would know where the Norwegians are because yeah. they do figure it out pretty quickly where they came from. Yeah, because uh, Doctor Copper and McCready uh, take a helicopter to find the base, so they know it's like yeah. close by. Exactly. So once they get to the base, um... oh no, I'm sorry. So they're. McCready and Copper are gone, but back at the American base, uh, we see the dog just kind of walking through the hallway, and it goes to a doorway, and we see a silhouette of a man, uh, but we can't tell who it is, and it kind of, he kind of makes a nod to the dog to come to him, and they purposely did this so it would be more of a, nobody knows who did that. Yeah. Because it just adds to the mystery more. Um, because this movie is, I meant to mention this earlier, but this movie is also Carpenter and Lancaster were inspired by like Agatha Christie's and then there were none. So it's kind of like a whodunit yeah. kind of mystery. Uh, so that's what we kind of get throughout the movie is you, you never really know who is the thing and you're just, it's just a guessing game. So at the Norwegian base, McCready and uh, Dr. Copper find uh, that it's just in ruin. It's like burned down. Uh, they go in and find the body of a man that's his like throat and his slit or his wrists are slit. Yeah, and, they're and like he's like frozen. frozen. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, like all the blood's frozen. Yeah. It's pretty gnarly looking. And of course, like everything's in Norwegian, so they can't read anything. But then they find a, like a video cassette and things like that yeah and like uh, four hours of tape yeah <laughs> and they oh, i'm sorry mccready like finds a uh what would you call it like a like a large block of ice kind of yeah that's been like hollowed out yeah in the base um so obviously something was in there and has been taken out it's like they excavated something. Yeah, like yeah. Ice. 
so they kind of see that and then they go outside and they find this just mangled corpse something it's like, like a chupacabra yeah <laughs> it's just this you know jumbled mess and it's like burned and you know it's it's just a big ass corpse you know it's like not right yeah and so they bring they actually bring the corpse back and uh Copper tells Blair to uh, that he wants him to perform perform an autopsy on it. That's an exorcism. <laughs> <laughs> that has the devil in it. Yeah. <laughs> That's my first thought. Throw the devil to our face. Yeah, he asks him to do an autopsy on it. And during the autopsy, they discover that it's uh, it has like normal organs of a human, and it even. Like, we see it, and we see, like, the hands, but they're, like, jumbled. There's, like, two faces, kind of. Yeah, like it was mid-forming. Yeah, like, mutated together. And it's obviously features of a human being. Uh, So they're, you know, they're just perplexed about what what the hell it is. What they're looking at, honestly. Yeah. So later that night, they're all back in the rec room again, and... Uh, the dog, like, brushes up against George's leg and spooks him. <laughs> he, like, yells at Clark to go put the dog with the others. And so Clark does. And the moment this dog gets in the kennel with the others, it's you already know something's up. Because it just, like, the way it just sits down and lays, it's like it... It's like it's terraforming. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's... Well, like, I mean, all the, do- all the other dogs are, like, laying around, like sleeping basically but the way this dog it just gets in the middle and it's like it's trying to figure out how to fit in yeah it looks like it's trying to like be a dog yeah yeah (laughs) and you know clark leaves and this the other dogs start like growling at it and this dog that we think is a dog is actually an alien creature that starts to fucking transform it's like face rips open yeah it looks like a resident evil dog for a yeah. yeah yeah it is it's and this is all practical effects and 1.5 million dollars worth and everything fucking looks so cool it is man do you think that's where resident evil got that from it wouldn't surprise me I yeah. See it. yeah yeah it's inspiration for it i hate this scene though i mean it's a cool scene yeah but, like it's so hard to watch because the practical effects are really good yeah yeah, well, it's also, like, there's this part in the scene where, like, we were talking earlier, where, like, uh, we were talking about how Clark cares about the dog just because he loves dogs so much, and you can see that in the scene in yeah. particular because, like, whenever, yeah, you know. Well, I'll let you finish the scene. Yeah, um, yeah, okay, I know where you're getting at. Yeah, so this thing just mutates, and it has these, like, weird, wiry things coming yeah. out of it. It grows these, like, spider-like legs... And just shed it basically just sheds off the like fur yeah. and stuff of a dog, and it's just this husk basically. And Clark hears the commotion and goes back. And as he like opens the door, some of the dogs just fucking jump out. Yeah, like him. three of them did. Like, yeah, like running for <laughs> running for their <laughs> lives. Be too. Like yeah. that one dog had the right idea to like fucking like I'm gonna like, choose through this fucking fence. Yeah, yeah, the other one choose through the fence. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I gotta chew and get um, out of here. Yeah, and then um, he finally like sees the you know the wiry tendons or whatever. Yeah. I don't even know, tentacle kind of things yeah. like. And they make this cool move, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
and uh, he he fights with it for a second to shut the door, and he finally does. And we go back to McCready, who's getting like a snack, I think. But he hears the commotion himself and uh, pulls a fire alarm to alert the others. He and, busts that bitch. Yeah. yeah. And uh, McCready's on it on everything. Yeah, <laughs> he's he like he just knows what's yeah. going down. Well, it's it's interesting because it's like no one's title is like ever said yeah. you know what I mean you know we know like two of them are doctors yeah but McCree just seems like a helicopter pilot but at the same time it's like he's weirdly in charge in a way yeah and I definitely feel like he has like military because like there's like a point in the film where like his bag gets chewed up and it has like his name on it like a rucksack yeah like the fabric yeah. kind of stuff yeah mm-hmm. uh, yeah I guess maybe so I guess he's probably his military or maybe. something yeah and I mean he could have could just be because he's like a level-headed guy or something yeah. and you know he just takes charge but uh after he sets the alarm they uh they all like you know get together and come and mccready comes down with a shotgun and asks clark what's going on and clark says i don't know what's in there you know it's weird and it's pissed off <laughs> and in that process, George goes and gets Childs and tells him that uh, McCready wants the flamethrower. And yeah. Childs is like, what? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, why do we need he's that? Like, he's like getting dressed, too. Yeah. Like, he's like, and they just smoked that joint him and Palmer did. Uh, yeah, like, so I forgot like, about He's that. like, what? Yeah. <laughs> it was like a fat-ass joint, it was, too. Dude, that was a dupster, man. That was <laughs> fucking huge. <laughs> Oh yeah, but uh, they they open the door like McCready opens the door and he they shine their flashlights on it and this is when they see just this husk of a creature of a dog kind of just mutated with all these crazy legs and tendril things. Yeah, and then we see one of the one of their dogs being like consumed basically by the tentacle things yeah i think that dog that we see that gets like that's covered in the shit is the one that got sprayed that was chewing through the fence maybe because like goop got all over him and i think it was like a acidic thing maybe yeah that would make sense and then once they see you know they see that they just like mccready opens fire and i think uh Gary's also shooting at it with his pistol. Gary's just Gary's just wants to use that fucking. They say it in the movie. It's like you just can't wait to use that thing. His I'm cap like, gun. Yeah, yeah. He, he can't though. Yeah, dude. Paul, Palmer says that. Yeah. He's, like, he's like he was just excited to use his cap gun or something <laughs> after he kills the Norwegian. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, uh, you know they're just laying into it, and we see another one of the dogs that still looks normal but it's in the tendril things and it gets shot and that's what you were getting at andrew is clark like yeah once it happens clark like loses it and he makes mccready stop yeah it's hard to watch though yeah, yeah no it scene. is i mean it's i mean i think i've said it before on the show just about how like you know sometimes just killing animals in movies is just like it's kind of fucked and it's like yeah i don't like it if it's not like necessary uh, you know, if it's just random. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if, it, if it's got a significant plot point like this does, yeah. you know. And, yeah. I mean, that's what I was going to say, too, is, like, it's used very well in this movie. Because, like, even the beginning, like, even if you had suspicion, even if you knew about the plot of the movie, mm-hmm. like, beforehand, I don't know if anyone would necessarily be, like, the dog, you know, immediately. Yeah. Because, you know? yeah. like, people are just so, like, naturally, like, it's a dog. It's, it's an innocent creature yeah. that we, you know... 
trust. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it, it really is the perfect thing to... It's the perfect red herring. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so after they stop the gunfire, um, Childs finally comes in and, you know, he's, he's late to the party, but he's got the flamethrower ready to go. And this thing grows these, like, big-ass arms. Yeah. <laughs> and, like... It like pulls itself up. Um, uh, they remind it? me of the uh, Evil Dead arms that come out of like Scotty. Yeah. yeah. Or not Scotty. Uh, uh, Cheryl. Cheryl. Like yeah. they look exactly like that. And then there's also a scene when the dog, uh, when they first stumble upon it, and it shoots like the tentacles out even more, like under it. Yeah. And it yeah. has like that uh, Evil Dead one effect kind of where it was. It's like, like stop motion, yeah, kind of. Yeah, 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 I know what you're talking about. That's when they first open the door, because yeah. it's before those spread out, and then it gets the dogs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's such a cool-looking thing. Like it You can is, tell yeah. it's stop motion, you know? It's just sped up, but, like, it's just so eerie. Kind it of is, because it, it looks like... If I saw something moving especially, like that, though, yeah. I'd be like, oh, that's growing. Oh, that's spreading. That's <laughs> yeah. bad. Like, especially <laughs> I do something about that. I was going to say, especially with the sound that they... Use there. The oh same yeah, tune. dude. The sound, like I said, it's like yeah. <laughs> that's not accurate, but that's just how I hear it. You know. Uh, yeah. When those, when those, uh, the, when the dog still has the fur and the tentacles come out the top, they're not like fully out yet, and mm -hmm. they're like doing that flicky octopus noise. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. It also kind of sounds like uh, like when you hear a cicada or something like that too. Yeah. 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 Oh god, dude. That just makes it worse. I hate those yeah. fuckers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, so after that, they, uh, you know, it, it raises itself up with these big-ass arms, and, you know, McCready's, like, tells Childs to, like, light it up, and Childs just kind of stares at it, and it opens up this, like, mouth-like thing, and then it kind of comes at Childs, and before it gets him, he just lights that fucker up. I don't think they burned that shit long enough. No. I mean, <laughs> they came in too quick with those fire extinguishers. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, I know they're trying to just prevent... <laughs> spreading. Spreading, yeah. but yeah, they come in and put that bitch out. It'd be like Mac would be like, hit it again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, we gotta burn this whole place. Yeah. <laughs> so after that, they, uh, you know, Dr. Blair performs a autopsy on this one, and he deduces that the being is you know an alien you know being that can mimic others um other organisms in order to fit like fit into society essentially yeah. and that they caught it like before it could finish uh consuming and mimicking the dogs dude during this scene when he's like explaining like how it like mimics and stuff and this pen the pencil he has he fucking touches that thing with the pencil yeah right? and then when he's talking around explaining he's just rubbing it all over his mouth like people do like tap it on their lips mm -hmm. and stuff I was like that touched the gross thing <laughs> yeah. thing like, <laughs> like that touched the gross yeah. like you might turn into a man yeah dude <laughs> fucking yeah. making out with your pencil because like that's another question I've always had about this movie does that thing just work on a cellular level like how it changes, because like I believe it does. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the the idea they get across like yeah. later. Um. So after the autopsy, uh, Doctor Blair and Clark uh, are kind of like tending to the dogs that are left, and Blair, this is like the first moment we suspect like something else is amiss, and yeah. he 
he questions Clark like hard about like why was the dog around in the rec room? How long were you with it? Uh, Start acting sus, and then Clark gets like super defensive. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and, you know, Blair just says he's just wondering, you know. But we all know something's up. Yeah. <laughs> and then shortly after this, the men watch the video footage that McCready and Copper found. Uh, at the Norwegian base, and in the footage, it reveals that they found some type of large object, like very large, huge, yeah. um, which turns out to be a UFO. Yeah, it even kind of looks like it in the footage. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's this classic circular. Yeah, and I I do. They never say that's an alien spaceship or anything, but you know, this is definitely the UFO from the beginning. Yeah, that we before the title screen. And, but they, they're able to get that information and then they see the, in the video, them finding something else, um, which ends up being the like large block that McCready found in the base. The old bathtub. Yeah. <laughs> it does look like a bathtub. So they figure out where that would have been, where they, um, discovered that and McCready and Norris... I can't remember who the other guy is. Um, it doesn't. I don't think it says, and you never see his face because they're all bundled up. The th but the three of them go to the location of oh, the yeah. UFO, and uh, you know, McCready asks uh, Norris, you know, how long he thinks this has been there, and he, just based on the ice and how far down it is, he says something like a hundred thousand years. Uh, so you know, it's definitely a UFO. And then they find the big-ass crater hole from that thing that was in the yeah. basement. Uh, presumably where the alien being came from. So, uh, back at the base, uh, Blair runs the information he's gotten on this computer. And, yeah, this is this is where it kind of shows the cells Oh like yeah, he's mutating. He's oh, like yeah. timing it to yeah. see how long it takes for it to be fully like uh, mimicked. Yeah, and it gives him a probability that there's a seventy-five percent chance that one or more of the other members of the crew has been infected, and then after that, uh, I think it says something about within first contact of like. 27,000 7, yeah, hours it could like take over Earth or, like infect Earth. How many years is that? Oh. <laughs> I don't know. I could outlive the, the infection. <laughs> and uh, before he leaves his desk though he uh, he opens up the drawer and he pulls out a pistol. Then he's ordered uh, after that he he orders uh, uh, who, who is it? George and Windows to put the carcasses in like the storage room and lock them up away from everybody. And as you know, McCready comes down there to get his shit out of the storage room, and he's leaving. Uh, Fuchs catches him and tells him, like, you know, I need, I, I need to tell you something. Like, we need to talk in private. So they go outside to one of the uh, like tractor things that they have, like the snowmobile yeah. type things. And back inside with the carcasses, um, you know, Windows and George are kind of finishing up in there, and Windows uncovers the first body that they found. 
and just looks at it and says, uh, he makes a comment that they should just burn them. Yeah. And George says, you know, they're too valuable and they're like the find of the century and, you know, they're going to win somebody a Nobel Prize. Yeah. I'll see how, like, it doesn't just smell awful. Yeah. Honestly. Well, when they bring it in the first time, like, they all, like, cover their noses and, like, cough well, yeah, and stuff. Yeah, it's just, like, steaming. Yeah. Like, you know, it's just, like, <clears throat> like, just all up in that place. I'm just... Stank. <laughs> yeah, do you think, like, they would say, like, we need to put it on ice again or something? Yeah. <laughs> like, let's put it with all our stuff. <laughs> just throw it in the snow. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, he looks at it, says that, and covers it back up. And when he turns away, we see the sheet, like, move. And, you know, again, this is the one that they found at the Norwegian base. So it's moving under that. Yeah. And Windows walks out of the room, and it starts to, like, ooze out from, like, the head. And George has, like, got his back turned, and he's, like, working on something. And after that, you know, we get that kind of tension-building moment. We go outside to Fuchs, uh, talking to McCready. And he tells him that Blair has locked himself up in his room, and he's not answering the door at all. And, you know, McCready's just kind of like, like, whatever, you know. And I think he says he just wants to, like, get drunk or something. Uh, I understand. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm so over this. This yeah. is so much stress. It's just been a long night. You know? Yeah. But he tells um, McCready that he took some of Blair's notes and he, you know, needs to read them to him about the creature or the organism. And he, uh, in the notes, he reveals that Blair says there are still cells that are active in the corpses and says that the things are not completely dead. And, you know, I like this moment because, like, McCready, of course, you know, he's just kind of fed up and he's just tired. But the moment Fuchs says that, it's like McCready just, like, it just dawns on him. Like, yeah. oh, shit, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's cool that he's, like... Smart enough to be able to get what he's saying, though. Yeah. Like, instead of being like, what do you mean? Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> well, I mean, you do get the... All of them are very intelligent. Yeah, yeah. they're there for a reason. Yeah. Except maybe Palmer. Yeah. Palmer doesn't seem like the smartest he's, one. I or guess, Windows, I guess, but... <laughs> I guess, like, Palmer is, like, the other pilot. Because, like, remember when it was like, you think it's safe to go he's up? Like, I'll he's like, you. I'll take you yeah, up. Yeah, maybe. But then they were like, no, and he's like, thanks for thinking about it, though. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't seem like the brightest. I, I Windows doesn't seem like the brightest either. Windows yeah. seems like kind of an ass. Yeah, he's just the communications yeah. guy, is what it seems like. But yeah, so that that realization from McCready is just a you know big moment, and it's just that's kind of where things like he can tell that it's just like they're not fucking like they're in trouble. Yeah, <laughs> essentially. That's when the game changes. Yeah. So after a uh, quick break, we'll pick up right after that. All right, and we are back. So uh, Fuchs has just told McCready that the notes from Blair's um, notebook about the organism reveals that the cells in it are still alive, or some of them are, and it's not completely dead. So after that revelation is revealed. Uh, Windows comes back into the storage room uh, to get George, but sees that George's clothes have been, like, ripped at the chair he was, like, standing on. 
and there's just blood. And then he, uh, he looks over towards where the, uh, carcass was that he like uncovered that we saw move. And George is just being consumed by this thing. Yeah, it looks pretty gnarly. And he's like all kind of like slimy mm-hmm. and he's fucking wrapped in the, like the tentacle things yeah. got him. Um, so Windows, you know, runs out to McCready and Fuchs uh, for help. And when they get back, uh, George isn't there. He's gone. So um, McCready looks and sees that the window in the storage room has been, like, busted open. And he looks out and he sees a figure running out in the snow. And they uh, catch up with it. And it's um, the thing mimicking George now. And they throw some flares down and it drops to the ground and the other men come out and they're all surrounding it. And I, I love this scene. It like, it's so fucking cool. It, it is, is really cool. cool for multiple reasons, especially like, like, uh, cause like he was, the creature was clearly still transforming mm-hmm. and, but it was like further on than they caught it last time. Yeah. So like it was almost complete, but like there was, I think it was his hands, wasn't it? It was like yeah. weird. Yeah. They were like all goopy looking. Well, yeah. they're all goopy looking, but they're these like long tangents. Well, they're like, like they look like claws almost. Yeah. yeah. And they're just like not fully formed. <laughs> I don't know if you ever, if you ever guys ever played the, uh, the game prototype. Or seen it before. Yeah. That's what it reminds me of, how his hands are, like, morphing into something else. Yeah, that's what it, that's what it looks like. Or even, like, uh, Resident Evil 7, kind of. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, uh, the, the molded yeah. or whatever. Yeah. But, you know, I think McCready says something like, this isn't, it's not George. And the thing, like, looks at him, and it, like, opens its mouth, and it just lets out this screech. Yeah. It's yeah. so fucking creepy, yeah. dude. It's like a, like a whale. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> And uh, McCready kicks over this uh, like gasoline barrel. Looks and, like cherry coke. Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> uh, pours out on the snow and on the where the creature is, and he throws a flare down on it, and it just bursts in flames, and it just keeps screeching. Like, it's just an awful sound. It is. <laughs> it is. It's so cool too because of the way the actor George like his eyes are like wide open too mm-hmm. when he's doing the screech staring yeah. at McCready it's just eerie as fuck yeah so after um they set the thing on fire um McCready goes back in to I think he, he goes in to get the flamethrower cause they're gonna burn all the bodies this time and Gary like comes up to McCready and asks like what happened and that if um you know, just he he doesn't really like understand what like what the fuck has just happened essentially. Yeah. And McCready tells him, you know, like if that thing had more time and we didn't catch it, it would have finished mimicking George. Yeah. And Gary's like he has this line where he says, um, like I've known George for ten years, like I should know what he's like and but that's you know, that's the point, like you just wouldn't know. Yeah. And they just caught it in time. It is kinda of scary though how like quick like you were saying, like it got, it was almost done, yeah. like fast. Yeah. <laughs> and how did he like? It, it, the clothes that they find is that just their undies, all the time because they come back in their clothes. Unless it just mimics them. Mimics the clothes. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. That's yeah. Question. <laughs> yeah, because like they find like the ripped clothes, like 
well, the trash in the kitchen, then they find George. He's windows find George's clothes ripped up. Yeah. yeah. So it obviously has to like rip through the fabric to get skin to skin contact to do it. So I was just wondering. Like, Could, well, was that the same clothes that he was wearing when he went into the room originally? I don't know. If if I remember correctly, I feel like almost all the clothes have been like white. So I yeah. feel like they're like cotton under clothes. Well, I don't know. I can't. He had like a vest on, I think, like an orange vest, and then I'm pretty sure when he, it's, it's George running out, like he's in just in like a black jacket. Okay. So I do think it like mimics the clothes. It just maybe doesn't mimic them. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. If it doesn't have time. Well, because I had a theory that like maybe they found like clothes lying around, but yeah. it wouldn't make sense for this scene because it seems like he just busted out the window and immediately started running. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Question though. I I would just. I would assume that it just mimics the appearance and yeah. the clothes and everything. Yeah. Well, because uh, if it is on a cell-by-cell basis, then, I mean, it could do that, yeah. technically. So, yeah, after after Gary and McCready have that uh, conversation, uh, the men burn the rest of the corpses. And they one of them asks, like, where Blair is, because he's not with them. And they're all accounted for. So they all uh, disband and go back their separate ways. And... Before McCready goes back inside, he sees someone, uh, he hears a noise from, like, the helicopter and sees somebody run out and go back inside, and he, he calls if it's Blair, but gets no answer. Uh, he goes over to the helicopter and looks inside, and he realizes, like, the inside's just been gutted and it's been destroyed, so there's yeah. no... It's sabotage. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, after he gets out, he hears a gunshot go off. So he runs back inside the station, and he finds some of the other men, like, taking cover. And we just hear Blair fucking... Losing it. Losing his mind. I really like that scene. Like, how it's shot when Max coming back to... Because, like, he's at the other end of the hallway. Yeah. And he's Mm kind of, like, running with him. And I just like how... It kind of feels like dead space with how claustrophobic the hallways and the stuff are. Yeah. Yeah. Corners and stuff. It's really cool. Well, Dead Space and also it does kind of, you know, we mentioned Alien, Ridley Scott's Alien. Yeah, yeah. That's another one. Well, I mean, I just think in general it's like this movie, they're not in space, obviously, but like it's that isolation yeah. with a unknown creature is fucking terrifying. Yeah, yeah. It's not so much like open space. Um, like I think about Jaws, like it's in a fucking ocean, yeah. the most open you can get. And, like, I mean, it's still scary because it's a fucking giant-ass shark. But there is at least a little bit of chance you can get away. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, like, in an isolated area, you're well, fucked. It's also, like, two different types of, like, horror, too. Because you think about it, like, with, like, the ocean of a shark, there's, like, nowhere to hide. Yeah. But, like, in this scenario, there's, like, it's, like, you can't get away. Yeah. From it's, it. like, it's, like, there is place. there are places to hide, but... You can't trust everyone, and you can't trust where you're hiding either. Because, like, yeah, I mean, if you ran out into the like the and, wild, you would die. Yeah, the, because it's like below thirty at some point, and yeah, it gets yeah. even below. You're like kind of trapped with the thing. Yeah, you're you're just stuck there. Yeah, and also there's another thing too with this is like you're not only can you not trust like everyone else, you kind of can't trust yourself. Yeah, yeah, because the thing like is gonna mimic. You know, and it's not going to be obvious, yep. even to itself, maybe. Yeah. You know, like, it's, it's a weird concept. Yeah. But, uh, so, yeah, after uh, 
you know, I mean, well, yeah, Blair is just destroying all the communication things. He's in the process. He's like hit windows because windows is bleeding. Um, and he's just hacking at everything with an axe. I and mean, he's like shooting his pistol. Yeah. Uh, to keep everybody out, and he's just going on about how he knows stuff they don't know, and nobody's getting out of here, and I he'll kill he has, anyone. He has a valid response, though, to yeah. be honest. Like, I yeah. feel like in that situation, after seeing what just happened to George, I feel like I'd probably be like, "There's what are we going to fucking do about it? Like, there's no other, we can't yeah. let it reach. Yeah. Like, He's he's got good intentions, but yeah. he's just fucking losing. And he should have been popping caps at everybody yeah. around him. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll kill you. <laughs> and like while they're waiting in the hallway, uh, I, uh, McCready tells Childs to go check like uh, the tractor and see if it's destroyed. And uh, eventually, Childs comes back and he says, "You know, it's it's been sabotaged, and uh, all the dogs, all the remaining dogs, have been killed too." And once uh, Clark hears that, he runs away and goes and checks on the dogs yeah and he does find them like 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 one's just in the middle which is an axe in its neck uh mccready tells uh i think vance to uh get like a get a get a table to kind of like shield himself yeah and then tells childs to kind of go the other way and distract uh blair and childs almost gets shot in that process and then finally Blair shoots all of his shots and he chucks the gun. Yeah. And then McCready comes in with that table and uh, Blair like hacks at it with the axe and they're able to like subdue him. Well, they just knock his ass out. <laughs> yeah, they yeah, bum rush his ass. Yeah. They like use the table against him. Like they all like lay on top of him. Yeah, and then <laughs> they get him like down and uh, McCready just fucking lays into him. <laughs> fucking, uh, Childs too when he's trying to like he's like you don't want to do this man yeah. you don't want to kill nobody and yeah. then he starts fucking unloading throwing yeah. away. <laughs> um, I do like that though because he's like you think I'm not fucking playing you think I'm playing around <laughs> so, so shoot now um, so after they uh, get subdue him and get him like calm down uh, they decide to take him out and lock him in a tool shed just for their own safety and for his safety, which I, I get, but at the same time, doesn't seem like the smartest move. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then before McCready leaves Blair, uh, McCready tells, um, or I'm sorry, Blair tells McCready to watch Clark and to watch him closely. And just kind of goes back to when Blair was asking him how long he was with the dog. And so he, this, this really sits in the, motion that like you can't trust Clark because he's probably the thing like but we don't know so Dr. Copper uh, says he has an idea to test everyone's blood uh, to figure out who's infected um, and they have like blood bags for like in case of emergencies where they're in like a remote area in like refrigeration and once they get to the blood bags, uh, they find that the thing's been unlocked and open, and they're all destroyed. Yeah. So they're trying to figure out who has access to that and who has the key, and the only ones that have access to getting into that cooler are Gary and Copper. And then within this whole thing, of this is kind of like where the whodunit kind of stuff really comes in. It's like, 
No one trusts anybody. Yeah, the paranoia really steps up. Like, Windows, like, yeah. obviously, is like the weakest one, and you can tell. I mean, but he's all bandaged up from whatever Blair did to his him. his face busted in. Yeah. yeah, and he, like, takes off down the hallway and goes to get, like, a shotgun. And they chase him down, and Gary draws his gun on him. And they're all able to, like, talk everybody down, and uh, Gary puts his gun down. And I think he... Yeah, he suggests, like, Vance be in charge, but Vance doesn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. And so McCready takes charge. And uh, Clark even gives, like, McCready his knife, which I think is interesting. Like, just another weapon to, yeah. you know, get out of his hands. And uh, McCready says that he wants Clark, Copper, and Gary uh, to be tied up and then shot up with morphine. So they're uh, sedated. Yeah. And they can be watched in case anything happens. And of course, they're fucking pissed about that. I mean, especially Copper, because he's like a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> the only doctor that's not, like, lost their fucking mind, you know? Yeah. So they they do that. And then uh, McCready reveals, like, in a tape recording by himself that, uh, you know, he, he says he's going to, like, hide the recording when he's done with it and just kind of explains what's been going on. But then he says that uh, Windows found a, a ripped pair of long johns. Okay. That, yeah. uh, and he thinks, like, the, the creature has, like, tears through your clothes before it gets to you. And he says, like, the name on it was, like, ripped off, so it could have been anybody's. Yeah. So they have no idea. But they know for sh- just that alone tells them that someone is the thing yeah there's an imposter someone's acting sus yeah (laughs) (laughs) maybe this i wonder if like among us drew like that's 100 percent what it is yeah that's 100 percent what it is imagine if we got like a thing game like among us though that'd be fucking cool dude i never even played among us but like i would play the shit out of a thing among us (laughs) the thing among us that's just what they call it it should also have proximity chat yeah dude hell yeah <laughs> you start yelling it's him <laughs> <laughs> he just calls hysteria every game you yeah. get into oh i think it's him i dude, saw him i totally <laughs> would, i totally would do that though <laughs> we played a game like that i'd be like i feel like it's this guy i have no proof but i'm telling you it's this guy <laughs> i don't like the way he's looking at me he's not looking at you at all he's he, looking at me he looked at me earlier and i didn't like it <laughs> oh man so uh after, uh, later, like, after talking to McCready, uh, Fuchs is, like, in his, uh, quarters, and he sees, well, the lights go out, and he lights a candle and walks towards the door, and he sees a figure, like, run by, so he goes to investigate and ends up outside, and, uh, while he's out there, this is where he finds, like, a ripped cloth, like, a bag or a jacket or something, but it has McCready's name on it. Yeah, I think it's that bag that he got from storage. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is kind of what you were saying. It, lo- it looks military. Yeah. Um, like, it looks like a Vietnam bag. Do you yeah. think someone put it there intentionally to throw off? Yeah, I don't know. That's the thing. I mean, I would think, like, the thing yeah. would have done it, whoever yeah. it is at this time. Because we never, we never find out who that was that, like, ran past the door. Yeah. Um, unless... Actually, I don't know, man. Well, it doesn't... I don't want to skip ahead, but, like... Isn't it Palmer? 
Well, Palmer's one of them. Yeah. But but before Palmer, it's Vance. So I guess Vance would have had to been the one that runs by mm-hmm. and then plants the McCready thing. Right? That's what I'm thinking. Well, I mean, it's all technically the same thing, but it's just different forms. Exactly. So. Yeah. 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 But they do they do such a killer job of like really fucking hiding it. Yeah. Like who's yeah. you know, who's who. So uh we go back inside, uh, and McCready asks the other men if they've seen Fuchs. Um, so some time has passed. We just don't know how much. And then says that, you know, somebody blew a fuse, like, in the like generator area. And, like, it could have been any of them. Yeah. And gotten him easily. So uh, McCready, Windows, and Nalls uh, go outside and look for Fuchs. And... Uh, they go ask Blair if he's seen Fuchs, and um, I think this is it's so fucking dark, but it's really cool. Is like when they open up like the peephole thing to talk to Blair, like there's a noose hanging. Mm-hmm. So it's like he definitely planned to like kill himself at some point and yeah. thought about it. And I was just like, when I first saw that, I was like, damn, that's fucking dark. At what point do you think Blair... T- I'm not trying to go ahead like this exit, but like at what point do you think Blair turned? I don't know. I really don't. Um, I don't know. We can we can talk about it when we get closer to that. But okay, it's a, yeah. I've been thinking about that too because I was just like I really don't know. Should touched it with a pencil. Maybe. <laughs> um. I mean, yeah, that's not that's not a bad theory because it's like, say he does that and then it finally takes hold, and then is Blair the thing when he just starts wrecking everything to like to just stop? You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, too, it's like... But they it, imply but, that the thing's whole purpose is to spread, but, like... But my thing, it it's kind of weird, because it's never explained that the thing can be more than one. Yeah. So if it's, like... If it's Blair at that point where he's destroying everything, then it can't be Vance. No, it can't. It does kind of, like, imply that it can be more than one because, like, when the dog's transformation is happening, part of it goes up in the ceiling and yeah, part of it stays. stays. Yeah. yeah, I guess so. And then, also, like, it wouldn't make sense for it to kill all the dogs and then just, like, become one dog. That is true, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. And I, But I guess it, it's just confusing a little bit because just trying to break it down because you have to figure out you know, let's, theoretically, let's say Blair is the thing, like, and it happened to him when he was locked in his room. Yeah. yeah. Well, at what point did it get Vance? Yeah. And then, yeah. you know what I mean? It's, it is hard to just kind of, I mean, that's just part of the mystery, but. Yeah. Well, that's what makes this movie so great, too, is that it gives you so much to, like, discuss. Yeah, you really gotta, like, think about, like, how did this happen, then this. Well, yeah. He de- Blair was definitely the thing for a while because of what happens when they find when we get to it under there. Yeah. So he's definitely had and they say like how long do you think he's been doing this? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. Yeah, man, I don't know. But also that means Blair technically had access to getting out. Yeah. So he could have gone but, back in and done that with any of them if he had such in access that's true. I'm trying not to go too far off because I have more questions. Because like yeah. even like the stuff you were just talking about, uh, let's just let's, yeah, let's just keep going. Uh, uh, <laughs> um, 
So yeah, they, uh, McCready, Windows, and Nalls go and look for Fuchs. Um, so they ask Blair, and again, we see like the noose thing. And But that's another thing, it's like with Blair, <laughs> yeah. this just hit me, because it's like, if Blair's making a noose, then he can't be the thing, well, right? Okay. Because well, it's like, why would the thing be like, I'm going to kill myself or make it look like I'm going to kill myself? So like maybe throw the trail off. But how does it even fucking know that, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good too, but I'm trying to think... Didn't someone else run out into, like, the snow, like, wow, another was... time before that? Like, another figure run out into, the, like, the snow? I feel like at some point... Well, we... McCready sees the figure come from the helicopter. Yeah. And we assume that's Blair. Right. And then... There's not another one until the one that passes by the doorway where Fuchs is and yeah. then Fuchs runs out yeah, and then later in the movie Childs goes out yeah, and that's it that's the only ones that like go out on their own well okay well then that just feeds even more into the theory of what that, the ending yeah like yeah. cause mm-hmm. Childs yeah know, the big theory that everyone theorizes is that Childs is the thing at the end of the movie yeah so right. we're getting we're getting yeah, way ahead I know <laughs> <laughs> a lot of a lot of, a lot of stuff <laughs> yeah. going on up here though Damn, dude. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, Blair is in there. They ask him. He says he hasn't seen Fuchs, and it's not Fuchs they need to worry about. And uh, pleads with McCready to let him back in. And as they're looking around, they do find uh, Fuchs's, like, charred, burned remains uh, and, like, a flare. And he did have a flare out with him. That's how he was, like, seeing... And so, you know, they theorize that maybe he set himself on fire before the thing could get him. Yeah. Before they go back in, um, McCready tells Windows to go tell the others about Fuchs and that they found him. And he says that him and Nalls are going to go check in his shack. And Nalls is like, why the hell are we doing that? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Because, you know, it's like freezing outside. It's like storming and shit. Yeah. And uh, McCready says... We're going up there because I remember I cut off my light before I left yesterday. And they look up and his like a light is on in his shack. So back in this like this big station, uh like forty or forty five minutes has passed and McCready and Nalls haven't come back. So the rest of the men decide that they need to like board up the doors and as they're kind of all doing that vance goes and he's like looks out the window and he uh hollers at the rest of the guys to come and look and like after he does that he like grunts and he's like having like a stomach pain Mm -hmm. and he you know just he doesn't really say anything about it and we look outside the window and we see uh nalls coming back by himself so they let him in and uh he tells them that you know, he, he cut McCready loose is what he says. And they're like, what? Like, what does that mean? And then he pulls out the, uh, the fabric that Fuchs had found and says that it was like stuffed in something in, in somewhere in the shack, in yeah. McCready's shack. Yeah. So it isn't kind of interesting. It's like, how did it get to, you know, 
who was the thing that killed Fuchs that then planted <laughs> yeah. the cloth in McCready's shack and turned the light on? So, I think maybe that whatever got to Fuchs or tried to get to him before he offed himself, maybe during this time also went... Because if he went to McCready's shack, then he might have went to Blair's shack. Or is either Blair doing this the entire time because he's outside not to be seen... Everybody thinks he's in the shack. Well, that's also true, too, because, like, even, like, we were talking about earlier, if he would have, like, became the thing earlier on, like I said, that he might have been thrown off people by, like, making it seem like he was, like, trying to kill himself and, like, keep this isolated. Mm-hmm. So, so he, he was work on the machine? Yeah, like, keep his own, like... Maybe. Yeah, because, like, he, they, because obviously, like we said, there could be more than one at a time. Mm-hmm. If, like, everything else is matching up, uh, then that means that maybe, like... Blair, part of the thing was like, I can work on the machine, while the other one works on just fitting the numbers of the crew. Maybe. Man, I don't know. It's cool, man. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a brain teaser, I tell you what. <laughs> uh, after, so I, yeah, Fuchs, um, or not Fuchs, I'm sorry, Nalls is back in the uh with the other guys and while they're talking the uh door handle that Nalls just came through starts to move um but the door is locked and it finally stops and you know they're you know Palmer is like saying to like let him in and uh Childs has a he has a line where he's like you know basically that they can't, they shouldn't let him in because, like, they can't trust him. Yeah. And Windows is like, well, what if we're wrong about him, Childs? And Childs is just cold as shit with this. He just says, then we're wrong. And I'm just like, damn. Yeah. Because <laughs> he says something about them, or he says, like, they'll just let him freeze out there. And I'm just like, damn, that's a cold fucking line right there. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess at that point, you're kind of just like, it is kind of a risk. Yeah. Like, no matter how bad he probably want it, because you know he could help. Exactly. Like, hey, what if he's not him? Yeah. But during that commotion, they hear a window break, and they realize it's coming from the storage room. And they try to open the door, but uh, McCready has the keys, because he was in charge. <laughs> and so, uh, Childs grabs an axe and starts hacking at the door, Jack Torrance style. <laughs> and, um... Uh, I like when he's, like, hacking at it. He's like, you're a dead man when we get in there. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we go inside. Like, we see inside that storage room. It's McCready in there. And he's, you know, all, like... Froze. Frozen. Dead torn still. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, this really, like, sick, like, blue light in that room, you know, hitting him. And Child finally gets the door open. But as he, like, aims the flamethrower... McCready lights like a flare and he's holding this fucking stick of dynamite and he says like you know you you take me I'm taking you all with me or something like that and uh, while they're talking or you know dealing with that uh, Nalls and Vance try to like tackle McCready but he's able to like push them both off and badass yeah and uh, Vance like falls back and hits a uh, like a bookshelf and you know, remember he was having like the stomach pain. Yeah. But he kind of, he kind of groans. He makes this like weird breathy noise. And then they realize, uh, like he's not breathing. So McCready tells them to untie, uh, Dr. Copper and to help him out. And, uh, 
you know, still remaining in control with the dynamite. Yeah. And he gets the uh, flamethrower, too. And as uh, Copper's trying to resuscitate uh, Vance, he ends up using the defibrillator on him and having no luck. He does it, like, twice and nothing. And then the third time he oh, does so it... so sick. Yeah. Fucking Vance's stomach opens up like a mouth. Yeah. And... Copper's hands go in and it just closes and rips his fucking arms off. Yeah. Dude. And it's yeah. so fast. It's so unexpected, yeah. dude. Yeah. It's it's fucking scary just because you don't you really don't expect it. I mean, this is the one time where you're kinda like it is implied that it's Vance because of the stomach where his yeah. stomach was hurting or whatever, but it's like you're you're just kinda like, that hey, could be a red herring, you know. Yeah. yeah. But, but then that happens, and you're just like, oh, fuck. Well, because, like, you don't really know what you're expecting. Like, even if you mm. do suspect he's the thing. But, like, I don't think anyone would have been like, his stomach's going to open up and take this guy's arms yeah. off. Like, the first time you see that, there's no way you're not like, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. and just, like, the effects and, like, just the bone crunch and the mm. blood. Yeah. Sp- it's just, and he's just, like, standing there with there's his no nubs, arms. and he's just like, ah. Yeah, and he, he, like, falls back and, uh, you know... He does. He he like dies from it. Yeah. Uh, and McCready lights Vance up. And before he does, though, this uh, like his the rest of his like chest and stuff bursts open, and this like weird spider legged creature with like Vance's face and like yeah. gnarly teeth. Before it, it, like I love that shot when it's showing it come off too, because his neck like stretches like as it's yeah. falling off the back of the table. Like, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, it's like he's oozing. Yeah, off. so the, well, there's like the one head that just came out of the chest. Yeah, with oh yeah, the spider body kind yeah. of thing. Mm-hmm. And then that's when McCree lights it up, and it, as it's burning, Vance is like, like the other head, the normal head, I guess if you want to call yeah. it. Like it, the neck stretches and it like <laughs> like lumps over the table. It's doing that wail again. Yeah, it's making yeah. that noise, and then it finally like detaches itself and falls, and um, it lets out one of those like weird tendril things and like is able to like grab the desk and drag itself. Oh yeah, it's like his tongue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it's able to like drag itself out of view, and so they put that fire out, and. uh while all that's going on, the head that got away um, grows like these eyes and then like more spider yeah. legs. It looks creepy as fuck. Yeah, it's fucking scary. I'd kick the shit out yeah. of that. <laughs> <I saw> that. <laughs> and as it's like, but as it's like trying to get away, they're like, um, the camera is like on them and then we see it just kind of scurry off and Palmer like turns around. He's like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, before it can get away, uh, McCready lights it up too. I just love that. I lo- for some reason, I love that Palmer's the one that sees it, and he's just like, "What?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he just still thinks he's hot his whole time. Yeah. <laughs> so after that whole fiasco, uh, McCready wants uh, all the men to be tied up again, and um, well, except for Windows because he needs one person to like help him you know, do what he's wanting to do. Uh, basically, he has a plan to test everyone's blood, uh, draw everyone's blood, and then put a, like, a hot poker to it. Yeah. And he's theorizing that 
if the blood is infected and if someone is the thing, then the blood will react this, because it reacts to danger. This is probably my favorite scene mm-hmm. in the whole movie. I think about this one the most. I feel like I saw it in passing the most when I was like younger mm-hmm. and stuff. It's just... It's one of the most like tension-building yeah, scenes. Yeah, it's done so well. Yeah. yeah. And I'm pretty sure uh, I did read that when this idea was brought to Carpenter, like this scene, he was like all fucking for it. Yeah. And it was one of the things also helped push him to direct this movie. It was just this, the concept of this. So, uh, before they like tie everyone up though, Childs, you know, refuses and he says, you're not like, you're not going to tie me up. And McCready says, well, I'll have to kill you. Yeah. And, uh, Childs is like, tells him to kill him and he draws the gun on him. And, uh, Meanwhile, Clark's trying to calm, you know, McCready down, but he has a scalpel that he stole and, like, swiped earlier when they were trying to uh, resuscitate Vance. And he comes at uh, McCready to stab him, and then without hesitation, McCready just shoots him right in the head. Yeah. Yeah. And, um... I think that's such a cool way to know, like, like he's not fucking around. Yeah. Well, it's like Child's kind of... Well, he says that, he tells Childs, he's like, I'm not messing around. And, like, he cocks the gun at Childs' head. And Childs says, like, like, I guess you're not. And then that's when, you know, Clark comes after him and gets killed. Yeah. So, uh, Palmer ends up tying Clark's body up and puts it next to uh, Dr. Coppers. And it's kind of just laying off on the side. And uh, the rest of them are finally tied down, except for... Of course, McCready, and then Windows. And uh, Windows gets everybody's blood, and they put them in, like, Petri dishes. And uh, what is it that he has? He's just got, like, a... like a Copper wire. Copper yeah. wire, yeah. That he, like, pulls the, like, plastic... That carves the plastic off of it. So it's, the wire is exposed. And uh, using the flamethrower, he, like, heats it up and tells them you know they're gonna draw blood or they're you know they're gonna test the blood and he puts the hot needle on windows first and you know nothing happens so he tells windows to put on the other uh, flamethrower and then McCready says like and i'm gonna prove to you guys what i what i know is right and yeah he, that's such a cool delivery yeah, yeah and he he tests his blood and nothing happens and uh I think Child says, like, what a crock of shit or something like that. Yeah. Because <laughs> they, they don't think this is going to work. <laughs> they don't like, understand. We'll do you next. Yeah. Um, and then they do... He de- he decides to do coppers to see if he was the thing. And he's safe. And then he does Clark. And Clark is also safe. And then after that uh, revelation, Child says... Uh, so Clark wasn't... So Clark was human. That makes you a murderer. And uh, you just really tell there's some like <laughs> strong tension yeah. between the two of them. Yeah. <laughs> and so Gary at this point says something about, you know, this isn't going to work. And uh, McCready basically calls Gary out and says, I figured you were going to say something like that. So we're going to do you last. <laughs> and because uh, he doesn't trust him because he had access to the blood. Yeah. And... As he's talking, he goes to test Palmer's, and 
you know, just in within this conversation, he tests Palmer's, and Palmer's fucking reacts. Yeah, like jumps out of the petri dish. Yeah, like the the blood just like turns into something else, and you know, scares everybody. And then Palmer's tied down and starts like convulsing, convulsing and yeah. shaking. And then his like face starts to melt and morph. His eyes start bulging out, yeah. and they're all tied together. Yeah. And, and that's what's so scary. They're yeah. on the couch tied together, and you know they are freaking the fuck out and. McCready can't get his flamethrower to, like, completely go, so he yells at Windows to uh, light Palmer up. And at this point, Palmer, or, I'm sorry, the thing has, like, broken out of the uh, ropes and is, like, on the ceiling, and then it drops down in front of uh, Windows, and he can't do it, and he's just in shock. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, like, head opens up as, like, a mouth, and it fucking closes in on Windows' head and it's like taking its hands and putting it's it's like consuming his head and his hands. Yeah. Know? And finally it like you know, does its thing, spits him out into a corner. Yeah, it like throws him like against a bookshelf. He's just yeah. covered in blood. Yeah. And then finally McCready gets uh his flamethrower to work and lights uh Palmer on fire and the thing like bursts out through the wall and goes out in the snow and uh, McCready throws like a stick of dynamite at it and it just <laughs> fucking explodes. <laughs> um, and before he comes, or as he's coming back in, uh, Windows, his corpse, starts to like make noises, kind of that noise it's been making mm-hmm. and it's moving really weird and they're screaming like, like it's coming back! It's coming back. <laughs> and so he lights it on fire and, you know, kills the thing as windows now. Uh, so next up is Nalls's blood and Nalls is safe. So, uh, McCready has him put on the other flamethrower now. And then they test uh, child's blood and he's safe. And he immediately is just like, he's like, untie me. <laughs> and then they go to test Gary and Gary is safe. And Gary has the best fucking yeah. line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just going to read it verbatim. But after they test the blood, and he's the only one tied to that couch, he says, I know you gentlemen have been through a lot, but when you find the time, I'd rather not spend the rest of this winter tied to the fucking couch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that one, dude. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> oh, man. So, after this, uh, they're all on the same page, and they're going to go... Uh, McCready tells Childs that they're going to go test Blair's blood and tells Childs to watch the door, and then that if he sees Blair and he's not with the rest of them, to burn him. So they go out to the tool shed, and then they find that the... Uh, well, MacNalls and Gary, I should say, go to the tool shed and find that the door's been opened and Blair's gone... And then they uh, find, like, they realize that the floorboards are, like, there's a, they're loose. And they pull them up, and they realize there's, like, a tunnel. So they go down that tunnel, and they find what looks to be, like, a UFO being built. Yeah, it looks like a, like a stereotypical UFO. Yeah, well, it, it looks like a kind of smaller version of the one that yeah. was found earlier. Yeah. And so they, you know, they're just wondering, yeah, what you said earlier, like, how long have they been, has he been working on this? And... Yeah, this this is a moment where it's like, 
you do kind of get confirmation just by this that like Blair's the thing. But again, yeah. it's like at what point did Blair become it? Yeah. Like we don't know. You know, it could have been it literally could have been at any moment. Yeah. You know. And I, I really do think like what you were talking about, Zach, is like the pencil that literally could have been it. Yeah. Man. Like I always thought about that when I saw that. I was like, "That's like direct contact." I'm sure something could. And he's, he he uses that pencil even because he's got it in his fucking hand, even when he's um, running the information on the computer. Yeah, you know, it's that same pencil because it's like an eraser on it. Like, yeah. he also was the one that performed the autopsies. Exactly. So he's had direct contact with yeah. it. But yeah, yeah, it could have. It literally could have been at any moment. Did he do the first autopsy when he was talking about how it had the set of organs? Like, yeah, that was all him. Did he do it with gloves on? He did. Okay, yeah, I, I can't. Remember. Yeah, because they really show him like yeah, he's really there, thumbing it up, pulling that shit <laughs> <Yeah>. out. <laughs> so as they're, you know, they find that tunnel with the ship being built in it, and they decide that they're just going to blow that up. So they're setting dynamite, and. As they're like setting everything up, Nall sees uh, Childs leave the shack or the uh, the station and like run off in the snow. And they say something about it, and um, McCready says, um, "Or I'm sorry." After Childs leaves, like the power to the whole area goes off, and so they McCready says, "Like the thing wants like to freeze." Like, it wants itself to freeze so someone else will come and find it, basically. Because that's obviously what has happened. The Norwegians found it, and now it's loose. So it's shutting everything off, so, like, it has the best chance of survival in the snow and the freezing temperature. So they decide, like, they're not going to let it, and they're going to heat things up, (laughs) basically. Yeah. So they blow up the ship and then just begin setting the whole complex on fire. They're, like, throwing Molotov cocktails and everything. And they go down to the generator room, and they uh, they're they're planning on like getting it like fixed. But uh, Gary goes over, and you know he says the generator's gone. And McCready says like, "Well, can we fix it?" And he's like, "Like, no, it's gone. <laughs> like, it's gone, gone." <laughs> they end up uh, kind of not completely splitting up, but just kind of covering ground to start setting charges around and uh they're just gonna they're just gonna blow the whole fucking place up and uh as they're doing that gary is uh kind of goes off on his own setting the charges and he's attacked by the thing now as blair yeah and he like sticks his hand over his mouth but his fingers like go in his skin yeah that's yeah. so cool. And like, he's like looking around. Yeah. Like, Very calm. Yeah. Like it's so it's so different from like what it has been because yeah. it's obviously had time to fully become it. And uh during that uh Nalls actually sees like the the thing again as Blair, but he just sees uh its hand like morphed with Gary's face mm. and sees like Gary being dragged off and so Nalls kind of walks down the hallway where it's at. And that's actually the last we see of Nalls. We don't actually see him die or anything, like nothing. Um, but after a moment, McCready asks um, how, asks them, like, how it's going, but he doesn't get an answer. And so he, like, primes the plunger, like, on the explosive. 
And uh, as he's kind of waiting, the floor of the area just starts fucking coming up like there's a goddamn shark under it yeah. or something. But then, like, the ten, like tentacles are coming down and stuff. It, like, pulls the plunger thing, the detonator, down. And, uh, the, you know, just big-ass version of it comes out now. And it, like, it still kind of looks like Blair, but it's got this, like, side-mouth thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then, like, it's got, I mean, it's, it's a huge-ass body. And it's even got, like, a dog coming out of the side of it. Yeah, it's, like, every, everything that it formed with exactly and into one yeah it's just this one massive monster and McCready grabs a stick of dynamite and he he like kind of jumps does this cool roll yeah uh, yeah i never realized it until like today he's still got his stupid fucking hat yeah it's like, like his weird off. cowboy hat yeah. like on yeah. his back <laughs> but he uh he throws the he lights that stick of dynamite before he throws it, he says, yeah, fuck you too. <laughs> <laughs> throws that bitch at it and just everything explodes. And the whole station goes up in flames. And uh, after a moment, we see McCready walking out. Um, just kind of in the debris and he's got like a bottle with him. You know, it's the, it's the it's the bottle of whiskey that he's been drinking on. It's the J&B, I think, or what it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And... He kind of comes over, sits down, and uh, before he can really take a drink or anything, um, we see Childs come from the other doorway, or, well, the other side. Yeah. Uh, and he kind of comes in, and McCready, like, looks behind him, and, you know, he asks where Childs went, and Childs says that he thought he saw Blair outside, and so he went to look at him. Or look for him, and he got lost in the snow. And they just neither one trusts the other, and yeah, it's uh, doesn't help that they hate each other. Yeah, well, I don't know if they hate each other, if it's just like they've just not trusted each other yeah. from the get go. And so you know, there's like I always thought, and you know, the one of the biggest theories is that Childs is the thing, and it was always based on you not seeing his breath. Because you predominantly, or, you know, prominently, sorry, see uh, McCready's breath throughout this yeah. whole scene. Yeah. When he's talking, just when he's letting breaths out, it is so obvious. But when Childs first comes into frame, you see it faintly. Yeah. And then, you know, when he's standing up, you see it. But when he sits down and he's talking and we get the close-up shots of him, you never see his fucking breath until, like, the very last line he has. Yeah. And it's, it's very faint. Yeah. And it's like very blinking you miss it kind of. Yeah. And so like when I was doing, you know, writing all this stuff down, these notes, I watched that scene like four times. I just went back and I kept watching it. Because I was like, am I crazy? It was also like two in the morning. <laughs> yeah. and I was like, am I just sleepy? And I'm like, yeah. Because like I've always just stuck with the theory that Childs is the thing. Yeah. But you see his fucking breath. Yeah. And that changed everything for me. Uh, yeah. I don't know if it's just because I also, like, I don't know. I, I've never had, like, a big, nice TV like I have now. Yeah. So it's like I can actually see everything. Yeah. And, like, see it in full HD. But <laughs> I just, now I don't know if, like, Childs is the thing. But, you know, there's, yeah, well, I mean, 
that's just the whole point, and like neither trust each other. And Childs asks McCready, like, "Well, what do we do now?" And McCready, he has the smile on his face the whole time, and he just says, well, "I guess we just wait and see what happens next." And yeah. then he hands Childs the bottle, and Childs takes a drink, and. Uh, they just sit there while the camp burns and yeah, that's the end of the movie they say like <clears throat> he, child says like how are we gonna make it and he's like maybe we shouldn't yeah yeah. so you know I mean I, I, don't, I mean I don't know who the I don't know who the thing is at this point and I know you mentioned a theory that I've yeah, never heard that, like that oh, the, yeah. the alcohol that McCready was drinking like I don't think he actually took a drink of it. Yeah, he so. doesn't take a drink of it. It's like he never like, gets a chance to because Charles comes up with yeah, the scent. It doesn't look like he does. It's, uh, theories have been that it's like the kerosene or whatever that they use to make the Molotov cocktails. Yeah. And that yeah. he gives him a drink and that's why he smiles real big after he like drinks it. Yeah, man, I don't know. Because like it's, he knows, that's how he knows is because he drank the, without reacting. Yeah. Yeah. Because it would make sense, too, because, like, if McCready thought he was the only one left, and he was, like, like he was just going to go die, he probably was, like, I'll just burn myself, so... Yeah. So, that way, there's no, like, way it can, like, even take my body. And, and it is, an, an, like, an interesting moment, because it's, like, McCready doesn't have anything. Like, he doesn't have a flamethrower or anything, yeah. but Charles still has a flamethrower. Yeah. And so, I don't know. It is just kind of like a... McCready is like accepted death at this point. Yeah. He's like, I'm not getting out of here alive. And he even says that earlier, like when they plan to blow everything up. Yeah. Like, we're not getting out of here alive. But yeah, I mean, that's a, that's an interesting theory too. Is like, it's fucking kerosene and like, yeah. he does know. And I was just like, you said that. And I was like, what the fuck, yeah. bro? <laughs> yeah. yeah it, that's just why this movie, like, it's such a great ending. And I'm mm-hmm. glad that it is open. Yeah. Because yeah. like, it could be anything, just like the thing is like it could it could be like either one of them, both mm-hmm. of them maybe exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what makes this movie so great too is that like it's like a lot of the a lot of the, it gives you like the basic of the story like rundown of everything, mm-hmm. but it never like answers too many questions mm-hmm. where it's like I didn't need to know all that. I yeah, know. I mean it leaves it wide open enough. Yeah. I mean for like moments like this where we were just kind of theorizing, yeah, like who's who and. You know, we had this whole thing about when Blair, like, like when the fuck did Blair become the thing? Yeah. You know, it's so hard to pinpoint. Um, I think maybe just these little things were just, like, overlooked when this movie first came out. And that's just why critics panned it. And then, yeah. of course, E.T. fucking <laughs> killed it at the box office. Yeah. And I, I don't know. It's just, like, you look back at it now and it's like, this is a fucking rad movie. Yeah. Now, earlier I mentioned, you know, Bill Lancaster had an original ending in mind, and that ending involved McCready and Childs both turning into the thing. Oh, wow, okay. (laughs) And being saved, um, you know, by a team, and then greeting, like, uh, the team, like, nothing's wrong. Mm -hmm. And uh, Carpenter apparently thought that ending was too shallow. Yeah. And he opted for the the one we got, which is more of kind of like a Twilight Zone esque kind of ending, which I like better. I mean, now like if they, I mean, it's always good to have that like resolution, that confirmation. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, yep, they're the thing, both of them. But at the same time, it's so much more interesting if it's just left open for interpretation. Yeah, that's one of the things that make this movie like badass. Yeah. But 
I don't know. Uh, five. Uh, what, what, what should we rate it? I mean, this movie's a five out of five for me. Yeah. I do think it's a perfect movie, but I need to get better at coming up with something funny, you know? Yeah. Five McCready's uh, bad cowboy hats. Five, yeah, five McCready terrible hats uh, out of five McCready terrible hats, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I feel like that is that all around. Oh yeah, oh yeah, for sure. You know, that's for sure. Yeah. I think I picked that as his like best story. Yeah, my thing. Yeah, I did too. Actually, thing. I'm pretty yeah. sure. Yeah, I mean this this movie kicks so much ass, dude, and it's just another example of like why John Carpenter fucking rolls. Yeah. yeah, like, and everybody in this movie is just so good. Like even the smaller, like just like Palmer. Yeah. Even Palmer, like that. The guy that plays him, um, can't think of his name right now. But even just in like the little bit of like screen time he has, and he has probably the least amount of character development. Yeah, you you really don't know much about him. But even him, it's just like there's not a bad actor in this movie. I don't think they do. A David really Clinton, that's his name. Really good job of making it seem like normal people yeah real life people like and how they handle the situation i feel like is exactly how real life people probably would in a panic way like panic hysteria yeah Yeah. and it's you know it's it's just it's a sci-fi movie so it's like the unknown yeah and that's that's why like alien is so scary because it's this fucking alien that is unhuman that's a killing machine basically yeah but I do think I I would will stand by the the thing John Carpenter's The Thing is one of if not the best creature movie oh, ever made. Oh yeah. yeah, and it's it's up there with like the classics like even Frankenstein and the Wolfman kind of stuff creature from like those class the Universal yeah. classics. But this movie is just so fucking good, and it's like it falls under that line too of like. Jaws for me, like Jaws is a perfect movie to me. I said mm-hmm. it last episode. Yeah, people can shit it on all they want, just because the goofy mechanical shark. That shark's to me looks fucking great. Yeah, in the first movie, it only gets wonky later. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, the, this movie has that effect on me, where it's like Jaws was so successful because you never see the shark until. They want you to see the shark, yeah. Obviously, and they did that because it was like falling apart, yeah. Right, right? which was a smart call. But like the thing kind of uses that in a way where it's like you don't see the thing all the time, but the times you do see it, it is terrifying. Yeah, Yeah, and it's always like important things too, like and it just progresses. Yeah, you see it like at like its early stages of transforming. You Mm -hmm. see it in in between stages. You even see when it's fully. And it's like, it's like, it even, like, it's, it's fucking scary when it's the dog thing. Yeah. And it's just this massive mutated whatever. And then it's, I think it's very fucking scary when it's George. Because it's not finished. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it just makes that noise. But it's like, you can't. It's like it was so fucking the, close, and that's what's so scary. It's the uncanny, uncanny valley feeling where it's like it's like almost human, but not. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, that was our uh, that was our review and you know breakdown of John Carpenter's The Thing. You know, five out of five uh, shitty McCready hats all the way around. <laughs> um, but yeah, we just uh, want to thank everybody for joining and listening to us. Uh, 
Don't forget to rate and review this episode. Rate and review the previous episodes and the show itself. That would really help us out a lot. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram to keep up with everything. Um, if you have any suggestions, questions, concerns, comments, you know, give it to us. Yeah. I will do my best to answer. <laughs> um, yeah, check out our T Public store. Go buy a shirt. You'd look pretty cool if you did. Rep the merch. Rep the merch. <laughs> pretty sick. You know, you can't have too many T-shirts in life. No. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, follow uh, Deranged Ankles on everything, you know, especially YouTube. Subscribe yeah. to his YouTube channel. And, yeah, thanks. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for listening to Cast of the Living Dead. Join us next time for more thrills, chills, and frights that go run in the night.